Hello everyone, this is Hannah, your host, and you are listening to the Success is Routine podcast. Our show is on a mission to talk to leaders in life and business that have achieved success and to learn what their routine is. If you are ready to create your routine to success, you're in the right place. Now, let's get started. Welcome back everybody to Success is Routine podcast. I am so excited to have David Sibnick, the CEO and founder of Soapbox and managing partner of Impact Driven Brands, here with us today to talk about his routine and his company. Uh, so welcome. It is a humbling honor to be here. And thank you so much for wanting us to be on your show. Yeah, definitely. Like at your brand, I know that a big part of it was the impact to it. And so I loved hearing that. Of course, I know when I talked to you last time, I'm always looking for a good shampoo. So I'm still super excited to try that shampoo. But share with us a little bit about your story, how you got started, and about your company. So it's it's been 13 years. We started in my college kitchen, where I basically Googled how to make soap, and that's how we made the first batch. And thank God, we've come a long way since then. We're no longer making it in my kitchen. But the mission has stayed the same since day one. So every time someone buys any product from Soapbox, uh, whether it be one of our shampoos or whether it be one of our liquid hand soaps or body washes or lotions or whatever, we donate a bar of soap. And we've, we're currently at 34 million bars that we've donated. And we're doing about two to three million bars per quarter, which essentially you can work that back to like two to three million units a quarter. Mm-hmm. That's being sold in Target, Walmart, uh, Rite Aid, Wegmans, HEB, Amazon, Grove, just a, a ton of different locations. So if you're hearing this now, next time you're in your grocery store, your drugstore, or a mass retailer, or wherever it might be, just go down to the shampoo aisle and you might see us, or body wash, or liquid hand soap, or lotions, potions, whatever it might be. So Soapbox started because I was a subcontractor for the United States Agency for International Development. I want to change the way that we were doing like, a lot of our water sanitation and hygiene work, and that's where the light bulb went off and was like, hey, we could start a one-for-one company that does it a little more sustainably mm-hmm. or through more sustainable methods. So imagine that like you're a soap maker in Northern India. The last thing you want is me popping out of a shipping container and like, you know, all of a sudden dumping like 40 or 60,000 bars of soap within your community. Like I just put you out of a job. But more mm-hmm. importantly, I taught the whole community to like wait till awkward white guy shows up and gives it to you for free. So... <laughs> So the way that we turn that on its head is we actually then fund the local soap maker through a wide variety of various different NGOs that we have the privilege and honor of supporting. But that is Soapbox. We decided that we were gluttons for punishment, so we acquired Bushwood Kitchen back in 2018. And then we also acquired a baby company called Good Nest. And this is the most sustainable baby brand to have launched at Target, period. Sell, honey to shampoo, to baby products. Well, that's incredible how you do it and how you're funding like the people in those countries, not just showing up and dropping a bunch of soap. So I really think that's a neat way to be able to help those places versus just like, you know, other ways that people are doing it where they go in and just give a lot. So I think it's really incredible that you did that. But from what it sounds like, did you always hope to be like a business owner or did that just kind of happen with the light bulb of, how we're going to help people? Yes, it's a great question. No, the thing that we, I always wanted to do something that was in, in trying to make the world a better place and trying to 
really focus on the fundamental like base period of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, shelter, like hygiene, whatever, you know, just basic needs that I think that every human should have the ability to access. So, and, and it shouldn't be, you know, based upon, you know, who you're born to or where you're born in the world. Um, and I always just thought that was a grave injustice. So I've always been focused on how do you build on that base level of the pyramid? So I knew that. I knew that in college. I thought it was going to be on politics. And then I came to school in Washington, D.C. at American University. Absolutely loved my experience. Had an internship every, pretty much every semester. And towards the end of my experience, I was like, man, I don't want to go into government anymore. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of lost. I was just like, well, if I... I thought I wanted to go into government, you know, throughout middle school and high school, I was always in student government and I always volunteered for leadership roles and all these type of things. And as like a workaholic, you know, growing up as mm -hmm. a kid and I just loved it. But I think what I mistook was, you know, along the whole journey, it was actually being an entrepreneur. I was actually starting new things and starting new clubs and somehow convincing my teachers to allow me to like run off with the truck or, you know, get some school funding to do X, Y, Z or whatever it might, like it was, it was always within the, the confines of school mm -hmm. and or Boy Scouts and or, you know, we started a local newspaper where I like went door to door selling, you know, basically my father's printed copies off his like dot <laughs> matrix printer of this terrible newspaper full of grammatical mistakes in every line. <laughs> but people bought it. And I think, yeah. you know, they bought it probably just because there was a, there was a kid in fifth grade at their door, just trying to call come the Brush Hill Times, which was the name of our cul-de-sac. But, but, you know, <laughs> that's it that we, we, you know, is I think what I didn't realize all through college and, and through high school is that it was, it was being an entrepreneur that I actually was well suited to be, if I can say mm -hmm. that, or I think just what I was probably thinking that I really wanted to do. So that was, it was a big wake up call because I graduated a year early. It was 2009, really bad time to graduate early because there weren't any jobs. Mm -hmm. I was interning for this USAID subcontractor. They offered me a role. I was like, sure. And, and then while there, I was like, this isn't what I meant to do. So took a, took a big leap of faith and started making soap in my college kitchen because I was still living with all my college roommates. And then went off into Teach for America. Wonderful experience, amazing organization. If I could clone myself, I'd still be in the classroom. And then Soapbox started to take off little by little. And then we started getting into regional grocery store chains. And eventually we got some investment from friends and family and then just kept on building and growing and made as many mistakes as you possibly could. We launched with terrible branding. We had an awful supply chain. We had no idea what we were doing in margins. We Everything that you possibly could do wrong, we did wrong. So mm -hmm. we just learned the hard way. And then I think the thing that our team absolutely does deserve the credit for is is resilience. We just refuse to give up. Yeah. I love that. I love the whole wanting to go into politics, the writing your own newspaper. Injustice of where we are born dictates so much of our life. Um, something that I definitely have like this passion for. I don't know how to figure it out because a lot of our team is overseas and I see like this huge difference and I'm just like that why are we not just one world like <laughs> why are we based on where we were born dictates so much of us we've had exchange students so learning cultures is something that we are very passionate about in our house 
And so I really love that, that you're doing that and you're thinking that way too. Uh, but I love that you wrote it. Right. You had a newspaper as a kid and you're an entrepreneur, a little entrepreneur. Uh, but that kind of like leads me to, so did you always have a routine in your life or was that something that was born later on? And when did that switch flip kind of for the routine? Yeah. And the, and the biggest routine that I can see a thread line all the way back to, you know, almost first, second grade is I would always try to write down notes to organize my thoughts then to organize my day then to figure out in the morning, like what are the top five things that need to get done? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I've, I've realized, especially as our company has grown, as we've hired more people, as there's been more roles and responsibilities that thankfully I've been able to delegate and, and have had the privilege to delegate. The other thing that's been really interesting is that the amount of meetings you're pulled into or firefights that you're pulled into or decisions that you have to be made that we were not planning to tackle that day increase. So there's, oh, I'd probably say I'm still getting better at delegation. I'm still, I'm still figuring out, you know, what are the things that I do better than the people that we've hired? What are the things that the people that we've hired, thankfully, always hire people who are better than you? Always. 100%. If you know, if you are a team leader, if you are a non-profit executive, if you're I don't care what industry you're from, always hire a people. You know, just just kill your ego and allow them to run circles around you and you will be incredibly grateful. One of my all-time favorite quotes is from Harry S. Truman where uh he and I'm probably paraphrasing this, but never underestimate what can be accomplished if you don't care who gets the credit. And like that, I think about a lot. I think about, you know, like, okay, cool. Just because you weren't the shining star, just because it wasn't your idea. Like if it's the best idea, let that win. And we really try to instill that in the culture of our company. But coming back to your initial question, note-taking a hundred percent. How do I organize all these thoughts that are in my head, all these new ideas that are in my head? What are the things that really need to be done today? And then in terms of that short list. It really is like, don't do more than five. There are five big things you need to get done today. There's going to be a ton of things that are thrown at you. How are you triaging? And the other thing more recently in the past, I'd probably say six years is I love working out in the morning. It's a great way. You know, you kind of sleepishly wake up and like stumble into, you know, your kitchen or whatever. I take, you know, pre-workout and then I'm in the gym about 15, 20 minutes later. And it's just, you know, an hour of time where. Not only you're taking care of your health, but you're also able to plan out that day and really think about what are the things that really need to be accomplished. So if you have a short list of things that that absolutely need to be, you know, tackled each day, on a consistent basis, you're able to assess that triage. So if something doesn't get done that day, it's on the top for the next day. And then, you know, other things that that come in. Uh, that are, you know, important, but not, you know, the top five for the day, then those are loaded in for the next day or the weekend or whenever you can take care of them. Yeah. Awesome. So two things that kind of come to mind with, you know, kind of creating a routine almost around like taking notes, writing down. Uh, one question is, you know, I know you started doing this when you were really young. Was it something you saw somebody else do? And then the second question is, when you say note-taking, are you saying like you're physically writing or have you kind of defaulted to apps and phones to write it down like electronically? Like what's that process really look like? They're a ton. So like it, you know, it really is. 
I think tactile feel to me is best, but it's not always in this day and age, it's not always the best way to do it. So I've, I've tried out a ton of different note taking. I've tried Evernote, I've tried OneNote, notes on, you know, Apple, you know, just Word documents. And uh, I really loved OneNote because it was incredibly flexible within the Microsoft suite. It was just fantastic. But there've been a couple of times where it, it, it crashed and I lost like a decent amount of my notes. So I was like, never again. <laughs> so, I've, <laughs> so I've gone back to like Apple notes on my phone which then syncs with my Mac, but then also, you know, just keeping a, a running Word document. And mm-hmm. I have three different monitors throughout the day. One is primarily for my email. One is for Slack and text messages and WhatsApp. And then on the other one is a, is a running Word document of, of the things that, that need to be done that evening uh, or that day, or, you know, really just focusing in and honing on this top five. All right. So kind of in the electronic space, not physically written somewhat how do you avoid being distracted when you're going to your phone to write the note from all the other things that hit us so for me i don't think i can be really fully present with someone unless i have the ability to offload ideas and concepts and to do items that may have you know missed the notes or missed you know me loading into a, a my own like task organizer so having the ability to, to write those things down, whether it be in my phone or whether it be, you know, in a notebook that I carry with me, you know, everywhere I have my, um, my backpack or, you know, whether it be on a computer, like, I think it really, for me is, is, and has been since a very young age, the ability to be able to fully focus on someone, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, someone, man, I did this all through college. A lot of people made fun of me. And I just didn't care. <laughs> like I was by college, I was just like, well, this is who I am, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like how um waiters or waitresses have the little flip book. Mm-hmm. I'm like the little short, yeah, yeah. It's what I had all the time. Yeah. And like writing stuff down makes such a difference. I had a professor in college at econ and he would give us a nose where it was like fill in the blank. And I would take pa- like five pages of notes every single class. And he would come up to me every class and go, Hannah, just download my notes. You just have to fill in the blanks. And I refused. At the end of the year, I had like a 98% in his class. And he came up and <laughs> he was like, hey, do you want to join the econ? I was like, I do not. I have no interest in econ. <laughs> I was like, but I knew that writing down stuff was going to make a bigger difference than just filling in the blank or putting but those we all things differently. there. Mm-hmm. We all, I think there's a, there's a great article out and I forget if it's the New Yorker or it's the Atlantic, but it basically goes over and this has been, this has been well studied for a little bit how people think like do people think visually do people you know and some people don't think like that you know like there's actually a a not insignificant part of the population where like unless they're talking or conversing with people it is it is empty right or not empty but it is silent right right that's it is i am thinking all the way till like i am asleep i wake up Mm -hmm. in the morning first thing i wake up in the morning and it's literally a dam like bursting in terms of like mm-hmm. all the ideas that just immediately like hit me and I'm just like, okay, these need to be organized, right? I can't, yeah, I can't not. Yeah. Well, it's actually, so I, I was watching a TikTok and, you know, I'd heard about it before how some people can like visually see, like they can see images, they can see pictures in their head, they can close their eyes and like actually see something. And 
I realize I can't do that. Like I've never been able to do that. I never knew that was a thing that people could do. And then like I was talking to my husband, I was like, seriously, you can like, he's like, yeah, if you close your eyes, like you can't see me. And I'm like, no. Uh, so it is very interesting how people think in such different ways. Like, do you see pictures when you close your eyes? Like, can you see actual images? Yes. I just tried to like me. Yeah. If anyone's actually watching this by video, you just totally said be like, shut my eyes and try to do that. Yeah. But, but the way my mind works is imagine six different little bottom tickers, like, mm-hmm. like that you see on like, you know, CNN or, you know, whatever news program you're watching and imagine like seven of them. And like, that's literally like, I, I will either visually see it and, or I will think about it and it will be like a concept and they hit all day long. So it has been 35 years of training my brain to be like, you need to be present for people. You need to be focused for people. And you also need to be able to actually like focus your day on that. And I also think what's really interesting is that, and you see this a lot in school administration, how organized a school is starts at the top. Right. A, like the leader of a school will set the cultural culture as well as the expectations that like, you know, what is measured is what like people care about, like what is enforced, what is, what the standards, you know, like, so it's not saying like, you know, you want to be this like gestalt crazy person who is pushing people to, you know, not have a life and or have no work-life balance. Like that's not it. But I think it really is about finding the right KPIs that matter. And that starts with you, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I think is really interesting about this podcast of like your success is routine is like, yeah, like like success to me is, is some luck, some timing, but a lot of it, at least in my personal experience is like perseverance and like your character, your habits become your character, right? Like, like mm-hmm. what you practice and what you do on a daily basis does add up. So I think a lot of that comes down to routine. I think it's about, it's about choosing healthy routines. It's about enforcing good habits. It's about, you know, setting positive intent. So thankfully that has worked out so far and I hope that it continues to, because I absolutely love what I do and I love the team that I had the privilege to work with. Yeah, definitely. And I think you hit it right there where the things you're doing, so we may not even see them as routines, but those things that we're doing every day are those habits that are a routine that impact everything we do. And um, you couldn't have said it better, really. And so going back to your routine now, so it's note-taking is a huge one, waking up, kind of organizing, you know, all those stickers going off, putting those top five rocks that are like really important there, narrowing it down, and then going to the gym. And so I know it sounded like the gym was something that kind of came newer to you. It wasn't something that you were done with doing since first grade. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, right. Yeah. Out there in the jungle gym, just doing like pull-ups. <laughs> um, I th- so it's, <laughs> so it's, for me, I really genuinely love, I really, really genuinely love learning. And I love people. And I'm, I'm an extrovert on steroids. So I think a lot of it has been figuring out how you learn and also figuring out another, you know, big part of 
of growing up, I think becoming hopefully a more effective leader is really deeply understanding how you need to organize yourself. Because a lot of, and then like, you know, like creating systems that you can stay on top of people and you can manage and like, and then I think the other thing that, that I'm realizing more these days is it's not the thing I'm most precious with, right? It's not necessarily time. A lot of people I think, think of like time's the most precious thing and it is precious to me, energy. Mm-hmm. is more precious. And I say it like this, right? You have had conversations in your life that may have been like two or three minutes and yet they are completely energy draining. And you've had conversations that have been three, four or five hours that are completely like energy filling, right? They, they com- charge your whole battery back up and you're an energizer bunny and you're ready to go. So I'm very protective of, I'm, I'm less protective with my time. I am way more protective of my energy. Mm-hmm. So if I if I get on a call and you know I got introduced to this person who might be a new distributor of ours or you know someone who might be a prospective uh, investor or whatever it might be, and they just try not to be a jerk, I find a way to get off the call as fast as possible. Because to me, that's like I oh, was, I don't, this isn't worth this isn't worth the energy. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not worth the time, but like, to me, it's, I find that to be, that has been a very interesting paradigm shift. So when someone's just like, Hey, do you want to, you know, you want to come over and spend time, you know, on my kid's birthday this weekend, I'm like, man, I really don't have the time, but that will give me a lot of energy. I'll enjoy that. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'll enjoy that. I also want to be there for my friend. I also know that that would be the right thing to show up for him and his family. Like that to me is a, is a worthwhile and never, even though technically, if you were to look at my calendar, you would say, oh, I, I probably shouldn't do that with my time. But it's the energy and it's worth making the time for, for the energy. Right. Um, and like, I can see that because if somebody sucks your energy out, that's going to affect your whole day. Like the rest of your day, you're going to now be drained and you're going to be taking a shot of Red Bull or just a shot, maybe <laughs> like whatever you need. <laughs> to get back into a better state of mind. Uh, So I really like that. And I haven't really heard anybody say it in that sense of, you know, energy is more valuable than time because everybody talks about time is money, money is time. So what are you going to give up your time or your money? But it comes down to your energy too, because maybe you're going to make money, but it's going to take you twice as long because your energy sucks. So was, was it really worth that money to waste all that time? Yes, 100%. And, and to, to build off, you know, the whole focus of this podcast, the other thing is like, figure out what time of day you're most productive and protect that religiously. You know, like for me, the morning hours are my best time to think they are my, you know, they are my best time to get work done. I really make sure that I have that time. If I, you know, if you load up a bunch of meetings between eight and you know like i i have about eight to one like 8 a.m to 1 p.m are just prime hours for me and usually what i find is that um you know the the blood flow going down to you know help digest whatever you ate for lunch kind of makes me a little fuzzy Mm -hmm. so like if i have like standing like you know one hour puddle with our team i'll put that in the afternoon because like you know i can listen take notes i can 
understand where, you know, people are, are saying like, Hey, this is a major issue within the marketing department, or we have this issue with a couple of our customers not paying us some time in the finance department. That stuff is, that stuff can easily be listened and actioned upon in the afternoon. But if I really want to think about like, okay, where, where are we in terms of this month's KPIs? What are the levers that can be, and think creatively about how, you know, we might be able to, to move the ship slightly halfway through the month in order to achieve those KPIs, then, then that's a morning activity. And that, that's perfect for a routine is finding when you're going to be able to do those routines and kind of stick to them. I think that makes a big difference being able to stick to that re- routine by finding that time that in your day, you're energized to do it. And that kind of like leads me to the question that take you a lot of time to kind of stick to some of these things where going to the gym to, you know, blocking out those energy times and, you know, cause we're so focused, the world we live in is so focused on money and time, time is money. And so was it hard to make that shift where you put energy first? And if it was or wasn't, how long did it take to get there? I think for me, I've always found that if someone invites me to something, it's, I have to come up with a really good reason to say no, right? If someone's saying like, Hey, I want you to come be a part of this party that I'm throwing or whatever it might be. And if I don't have anything that evening, right? I'm the type of person that says, Hey, you know, like I will come, but I will not stay for long. Right. Just cause I have this thing the next morning and whatever that's true. Those things happen, like those activities are those things that are planned, but I still want to show up for people. I think the big thing that I've started to shift in terms of being okay with putting severe limitations on my activities with others based on what I know my energy level is at. So if I'm really exhausted and it's been a whole week and someone invites me at the last minute on Friday night, like, hey man, you know, uh, there's this panel that I want you to speak on. I'll be like, I am absolutely exhausted. I will show up if you absolutely need me to, but I'm really tired. Right. And that's me saying to them, like, I will show up if you need me. I want to be there for you to help you, you know, whatever this event is. But at the same time, like, I want to let you know where I'm at in terms of my depletion of the week and so on and so forth. And if that person really insists, I'll show up, you know, like if, Mm -hmm. like I'll make that commitment, I'll show up. But I, that's really helped. And in terms of the other thing I would say to your listeners that I think helps a lot, and this has done, you know, wonders in, in my relationship and you know, was my girlfriend, now my fiance, is we're really clear with each other up front in terms of clear communication and clear expectation and like parameter setting, like all of that's incredibly important. The other thing I, I will say that I think really opened my eyes is Jeff Bezos early on with Amazon told his investors and and then eventually his shareholders as it went public, he was like, I am not going to stay up, you know, till one, 2 AM every night. Like I'm Mm going to get sleep and you're going to want me to get sleep because it's going to lead to better decision-making and, you know, I'm going to be more sound mind. And I think the bigger thing that, that I really took away from his early like day one letters was it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. This is not a sprint. Like you have to, you have to know yourself. You have to know your own health. You need to take care of that. And like, there are definitely times where like it is go time. It is crunch. You have to put your nose to that grindstone and there are no excuses. 
But in terms of the long, like doing this for 13 years, like, oh yeah, you really gotta, you gotta learn how to throttle this so that you can go the distance. Yeah, that's definitely something I have to learn is more balance on those things. So I appreciate you sharing your stories and how you've kind of adapted and changed stuff. It's going to help me and I hope it helped all the listeners as well, kind of making those times that work for them, work for them and putting their energy first. One question I have now is kind of leading into the success. How would you define success and kind of how did your routine really help you create that success in your life? Success is is personally defined, right? There are some people who believe that success is having a wonderful family and raising great kids. There are some people who use success as a number. Is that a is that a monetary amount? Is that a is it a title? Is it a duration? Is it a there's a ton. So for me, I like to I like to say you get a wing for the right reasons. So, you know, within our team, I say we're going to win, but for the right reasons. So I, what success looks like to me, can we go up against Procter and Gamble and Unilever and Colgate and SC Johnson and these behemoths and be David versus Goliath, no pun intended, because that's my name. <laughs> and, and like, and genuinely compete and fight and win and take market share because each and every unit that we sell is another that we're going to donate. We donate around 4% of our gross revenue. Mm -hmm. Like that's insane. Like all yeah. these like 1% for the planet and all that, that is on their profit. Mm -hmm. We're, we're donating at the top in terms of how much we actually, so like, it's kind of cool. We've turned into on an annual basis, essentially like a small grant writing office mm -hmm. of like millions of dollars that we've been able to donate to charity. And that's amazing. That's I personally yeah. never would have been able to do that, right? 35, mm -hmm. if I were to take another career path, I would not have been able potentially, right? If I went and started like the next Facebook, then this would all have been different. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think if you were to take enough roll odds that that would have been something that we would able to, or I would have been able to do. So I feel, I feel incredibly proud of our team. We have a lot of challenges that we face. We have a lot of things that we got to get right. And I beat myself up daily. I have about, I have a very unhealthy expectation of myself. And that's something I'm still trying to unpack and work on. Mm -hmm. I like myself. I don't think I love myself every day, which, you know, for your listeners, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm five, <laughs> but I think that's also just like my kind of Midwestern, like we don't talk about ourselves. Don't mm -hmm. sing your praises. Have other people sing it for you. If, if there are praises to be sung, I really genuinely believe that your team is what makes it happen. And I'm, and I'm here to support them and push them. So success to me is winning for the right reasons, competing on a national and global level. You know, one day we will get bought by a strategic. I'll be able to go to our investors and say, here's a handsome return. Thank you so much for believing in us and, and for all the effort that you've put in. And there's a bunch of people that I that I think have put a lot of time, energy, and and blood, sweat, and tears into building this. Not in the products, my <laughs> into yeah. that is is just it it's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing like the vulnerability there. 
of like what you're going through and uh, there's many praises to be sung for what you're doing and the incredible work that you know you're helping not just you know people in their hair and their shampoo but globally helping people who can start businesses and build their own businesses and then all of your employees that you have on your team over the last 13 years so definitely recognize that you're doing incredible things whether somebody else says it or not you are definitely and you know hearing the routine and the success and just kind of you know you've had a ton of success but I love how you kind of look at it at more than just one scope you're not just looking at it in number so so thank you for sharing those things and then I have two questions before I let you go. One is going to be if somebody's listening to this and they don't have like maybe, you know, everybody has a routine in some way, but it's not a positive routine. It's not a healthy routine that's truly helping them strive for what they're looking for. What's that one thing they can start doing tomorrow to kind of start creating a positive routine for their life? I, I like to be super realistic, right? I think the unrealistic expectations lead to like a failure to achieve them like there's a there's a certain aspect of if you want to get in better shape and you go to the gym like two or three times and you're now like well why don't i have abs like that's not that's not realistic like you have to you have to be patient with yourself you also have to like find out the things that are going to be helping you achieve that. I think it's the same way that like you think about how you learn, right? Do you learn through people or do you learn through searching and finding and reading something yourself? Right? If you learn through people, then go to meetups and ask your friends and ask your friends to introduce you to other friends who know that subject or pay for a tutor or go to classes or like like if you learn by, you know, doing research and, and then create that space where you're isolated and alone and you're not going to find distraction, it's the same thing with like, whatever the goal is, you don't have to always like have a montage sequence and do it the hard way. There are, there are tons of different like life hacks that you can surround yourself with people who are making healthier or better decisions, or, uh, you can find yourself an accountability partner. It's someone not your friend, right? Like someone who's going to like basically hold you to it, and gently push you in that direction. And there's the biggest thing I would say is like, start small, start with something that's like baby steps that will get you moving in the right direction and then reward yourself as you move in that direction so that you're consistently reinforcing that, that start of a habit and or routine. Yeah. It's a shameless plug for your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but yeah, I love but, it that it's like simple. <laughs> so. it's, I mean, it's it's so much easier than it's so much easier said than done, right? Like there are too many times where the plethora of excuses is so abundant around us and why we shouldn't, couldn't, can't do something that it really is about like start incredibly small. Mm-hmm. Like start incredibly small so that you can move in that direction and then once you start building that momentum, momentum works both ways, right? Positive mm-hmm. momentum and negative momentum are, are still momentum. Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen companies that have been incredibly successful and they have, you know, a couple bad weeks and then a couple bad weeks turn into a couple bad months. And then everyone starts getting this, you know, dystopia of, 
what's happening around them. And then, you know, good people leave the company and then all of a sudden it just, it continues to, to spiral. Like, like that is the same type of momentum that, you know, you start on a journey and you start making a healthy decision, surrounding yourself with people who are reinforcing those decisions. And then before you know it, you're encouraging other people to do those same type of, and make those decisions. So like, it's you surround yourself with people who are going to make it easier. You don't have to do this journey alone. Don't have to, you know, Rocky theme song montage this all by yourself. You don't. And mm -hmm. I would just say that like how people are able to figure out ways in which they can achieve the goals that they are. And you don't always have to do it the hard way and figuring it out. Like you still have to do the work. Like, there yeah. is no, oftentimes <laughs> there, there is no pill that automatically gets you to wherever you want to go. But it's like, it's, there are easier ways doing it than, than others. Yeah. I love that. I love because it is, you have to do the work, but you don't have to do it alone, but you don't have to do everything at the same time. And, you know, anybody that's on social media, they're being told all these different ways to do it. And everybody is a guru and everybody has the answer. But at the end of the day, it, it comes down to small steps and creating a routine and Really, I think ultimately it's that positive energy and being in a place of good energy, just like you talked about, because it's going to be hard to make any small step if you're surrounded by negative energy and in a place that you're being drained constantly. So my second question for you, though, is a book. So is there a book that you would really recommend? And it doesn't have to be necessarily you know, this specific book or, oh, there's a book. Uh, okay. All right. So literally just came out today. This is my good friend called his, uh, Matt Higgins has been on Shark Tank and long story short is he just launched this. The title is like supposed to be catchy and grab your attention and everything else. But it's really interesting because the whole idea is that like, there are certain decisions where if you don't know the mythology behind this, it's like the army lands on the beach. And they're storming the beach and the general decides to burn the boats. There is no retreat. Mm -hmm. Right. And because of that, and the army knows that there is no retreat, they fight even harder to, to take the beach and to move mm -hmm. you know, onto the land. So there is so many great nuggets of running a business, ascending the corporate ladder, you know, starting, creating, building a non for profit that are universal across, you know, your career growth, that I would say absolutely this book is amazing. Just launched today. Got awesome. a quick pre-read. It is number one right now on Amazon. Would love to see it keep and stay that way, but totally worth it. Has tons of essential life advice, whether in business and or for your family or your personal endeavors. Well, it really like, I'm definitely going to go look at that because it, touches on some stuff that we're dealing with on our side of the company right now. And so <laughs> there is no retreat. I love that. Uh, so burn the bow. I'm going to check it out on Amazon as well, because I think it'll help us and our company. But thank you so much, David, for sharing everything, being vulnerable, being honest about, you know, the tough sides of it, the good sides of it. And thank you for what you're doing for the world and helping other countries, because it doesn't matter where you were born. We're all humans. So it shouldn't matter. Uh, so thank you for joining me. Thank you, Hannah. And one last thing, uh, yeah. whether you want some soapbox products or whether you want some delicious Bushwick products, or if you want some amazing, sustainable baby products, 
the discount code is all the same. So if you go to goodness.com, if you go to soapbox.co or bushwickkitchen.com and you type in success is the routine 15, you get 15% off your first purchase. And that is my gift to any listener who has stayed with us for the past 42 minutes. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for hearing me yap. And hopefully there are some nuggets of what I just said that could be helpful on any of your listeners' journeys. Definitely. There definitely is. And thank you for adding that in. So we will make sure that all of those links are down below. And if you're watching this, you'll see that coupon code pop up earlier than when we said it. So um, you'll see it there and it'll be in the descriptions for everybody. So go check out those places, get some sriracha sauce, get some soap or get some baby products. (laughs) And thank you so much, David, for joining. Thank you for listening to Success is Routine podcast. If you found value in this episode, share it with a friend. Episodes go live weekly on Sunday at 8 a.m. Start your week with the right routine. Like, follow, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening. Join the Success is Routine movement and get exclusive downloads and content from the guests. Go to www.successisroutine.com and follow the conversation there or on social media. Until next time, remember. I would always try to write down notes to organize my thoughts and to organize my day and to figure out in the morning like what are the top five things that need to get done figuring out how you learn and also figuring out you know big part of, of growing up i think becoming hopefully a more effective leader is really deeply understanding how you need to organize yourself your success is routine like success to me is is some luck some timing But a lot of it, at least in my personal experience, is like perseverance and like your character, your habits become your character. Figure out what time of day you're most productive and protect that religiously. For me, the morning hours are my best time to think. They are my, you know, they are my best time to get work done. I really make sure that I have that time.